Thunder and Lightning by Asha Purna Devi. It did take place eventually, the horrifying, shameful incident, the one which the family had been living in terror of, like waiting for a knife to be plunged into its side. The terror had ended. The knife had pierced the ribs, leaving the family soaked in blood. Bula had run away. The youngest of the daughters-in-law, Bula, whose full name was Bulbul. Strictly speaking, I am not part of their family, for ostensibly I am the landlord's daughter. But I have been told that they have been tenants on our ground floor since the time before my birth, which meant that the first place I visited after learning to walk was downstairs, their home. Ever so many winters and summers, ever so many years have passed since then. But their home remains my primary destination when I go out. I am practically part of the family and I know all there is to know about them. I knew there was a conflict of imagination raging within each of them. Would the embedded knife actually wreak such terrible violence? Or would it lose its sharpness and slip out? And yet, no one had ever discussed the possibility explicitly. They hadn't because they couldn't. I knew why they couldn't. No one wanted to annoy Bula. She looked after all of them, took care of all their needs. None of them could do without her. Bula's father-in-law, Rajan Babu would call out to her twice a day at specific times. Choto Boma, coming Baba. Bula would answer at once. I knew that she would massage her father-in-law's knees with Ayurvedic oil for a long time. At night, Bula would go up to his door to ask, Are you asleep, Baba? Clearing his throat in his unique way, Rajan Babu would respond, <coughs> Not yet. But I was about to go to sleep. Bula would go in with a piece of flannel and a charcoal flame. Rajan Babu would sleep after a hot compress was applied to his knee, which was then wrapped in warm flannel. Bula's mother-in-law would summon Bula 356 times a day. Chotoboma, Chotoboma. I may not be able to account for each of the summons, but I knew that most of Sushila Bala's calls were for unnecessary tasks. For instance, a little less supari in my pan from tomorrow, please, Chodoboma. Can you air my sheets, Chodoboma? Have the wet clothes been hung up to dry, Chodoboma? Who was it knocking at the front door? If there was no task to ask about, she would inquire, Have you any idea? Why there are so many ants in the room these days, Chodoboma? Bula's widowed sister-in-law would seek her out at least 990 times a day. Bula, light the stove now. Have you put the kettle on, Bula? Bula, not done slicing the vegetables yet. Hurry up, Bula. Bula's husband, spinster sister Usha, who was much older and had been bedridden even before Bula's wedding, would croak every now and then. Are you done, Chotobodhi? Bula would rush up to her. 
What is it, Usha? Oh, nothing. Usha would snarl back. I didn't say anything. The widowed sister-in-law had several children of different ages, each of whom called Bula several times a day. Chotokaki, Chotokaki. My blue notebook was right here, Chotokaki. Where did it go? Where have you put my bell, Chotokaki? I'm getting late for school. She's beating me up, Chotokaki. Can you tie my ribbon? Chotoboma, Chotobodi, Chotokaki. Variations on the same theme. What they said was the same thing too, on the same note, differing only in the actual words. Still, I never saw Bula get angry. She was always smiling, always working, always scolding the children, doing up their buttons, washing clothes, humoring Usha as though she were the older one. She had often volunteered to do things for me too. What's this? Why are you using a safety pin? Let me sew on a button. When I protested, she said, How bashful this girl is! That was Bula for you. She couldn't be avoided easily. So the eagerness with which she scanned the next door window elicited only a covert comment or two accompanied by meaningful glances being exchanged between the members of the family. Glances that said, She is not going to be tied down at home much longer. The eldest sister-in-law's daughter, who had just got into the ninth standard, joined the exchange of glances, whispering, Chotokaki just got a letter in an envelope, she added. That Biju Kaka next door seems to have no other work but to gaze at Chotokaki's window all day long. Her window is open, isn't it? Sushila Bala hissed. It's open all the time, answered her grandmother, curling her lips. And at once, anxiety welled up within the family. Heaven knows what calamity she'll bring upon us. Not just up there in heaven, everyone knew now. Bula had brought a real calamity upon everyone, severing all the thousands of bonds she had with the family and running away. I knew all along, said the eldest sister-in-law. I saw Biju with my own eyes tossing letters through the window. Beating her forehead, Sushila Bala said, I knew even earlier. I knew her tricks. Why else would my Shuken have renounced everything and left? No one protested Mashima's statement. Who knew whether it was because Mashima would be furious if they did or because it would lighten the gravity of Bula's crimes? Well, someone could easily have pointed out. But your Shukhen was always consorting with monks. He'd been half a monk himself from the age of 18. You had to force him out of the Ramakrishna mission to get him married. I suffered from the bad habit of protesting, but I could make no headway either. Ever since I had left college and taken up a job, neither Mashima nor Meshomoshai spoke to me. That apart, there was nothing about this family I didn't know. 
to tell the truth, the young man in question shook in was extraordinarily handsome. In my childhood, I was more or less mesmerized by his good looks. Had he been a real man, there would definitely have been a love affair within this house. But at 17, or was it 16, he developed this precocious obsession. This business of spending time with monks, going off to monasteries on holidays, getting hold of scriptures and great men's lives and reading them, not looking at women, all sorts of ominous signs. I had tried to laugh it off at first, but then I realized Chukhen was serious. Giving up, I concentrated on studies instead. Meanwhile, Chukhen grew even more recklessly involved with his strange obsession, which made a worried Mashima resolve to get him married. One day before his wedding, Chukhen ran away. How the world had to be turned upside down to find and bring him back makes for its own story. But Sukhen had surprised everyone in the first few days after his wedding. Dressed in a dhoti with embroidered borders, freshly shaven and his hair doused in fragrant oil, he had abandoned his sacred practice of reading the scriptures until midnight to hover around the bedroom from the evening onwards. How everyone had laughed. The laughter had even turned bitter at times. Chichi, shame on him. Talk about frauds. Really? What a joke? And Bula began to be criticized. What a temptress. Anyone who can sway a devotee from his path can't be entirely innocent. Mashima had even said that Bula had apparently committed a grave sin in making her pious son get interested in lowly things. It seemed the Shastras referred to such females as transgressors. One's wife was supposed to be a spiritual fellow traveller and help her husband progress along his chosen path. Haven't you read the lives of Ramakrishna and his wife Sharadamani? But then, Bula didn't have to hear all this for very long. Shukhen came to his senses quite soon. This was discovered one morning. Shukhen had apparently left as soon as he had woken up. Gone. But where? It soon became obvious where. Shukhen had been to the Ganga to bathe. Back from his ablutions, he announced that he would fast all day. Maintain three days silence from tomorrow and formally renounce the world on the fourth day. And if they tried to stop him, he would disappear. That was the only time I saw tears in Bula's eyes. Her cheeks looked as hard and dark as planks of wood and a single line of tears flowed along it, drying instantly. Later she told me, those were not tears of rage, but of humiliation. But it was just that one day. No one had ever seen Bula look unhappy since then. But that wasn't good, was it? Surely that was wrong too. Condemnable, in fact. How could a wife whose husband had abandoned her for the path of renunciation 
actually have the desire to laugh, to chat, to play with children? The young ones doted on her. And why not? Who would indulge them as much? Where had Bula learned all these rhymes and poems and stories and skits? There were three other women in the family, but none of them could chatter like her or sing as many songs. The others barely managed to pay the daily installment of their cosmic debt. But Bula, who should not have been having a sparking life, who should have been shrinking back in shame all the time, seemed to be overflowing with a passion for life. And no one was in the dark about the fact that those passionate waves were lapping at the shores of the window next door. You couldn't tie down your husband and now you're trying to tie down another man. No one may have actually said this, but the bile was directed at Bula all the time. But of course, Bula might have been an unmitigated sinner had she turned her husband's attention to a lowly life. But then at least the family would have benefited, wouldn't it? Through insinuations and signs of one kind or the other, Bula had to hear things to this effect constantly. The pain of losing Shuken was fading, but the difficulties that ensue when the only earning member of the family repairs to a monastery were far from fading. On the contrary, they worsened. The objects of everyday use broke, tore and wore out. But they could not be replaced. Daily necessities had to be curtailed. Many practices had to be discontinued. There had never been a cook. Now even the solitary servant was told to leave. And... And at the beginning of every month, Borobodhi's second daughter would appear upstairs with an ashen face saying, Dida says we can't pay the rent this month either. Perhaps she had been taught to say more, to be a little more humble, to plead some more. But the poor thing couldn't say anything else, pausing after an ellipsis. No matter how close the two families appeared to be, my mother began to frown at this, while my father grew grim. But the girl was spared all this because she never raised her eyes from the floor. Rajan Babu and Sushila Bala, their widowed daughter-in-law and sick daughter, all of them held Bula responsible for plunging the family into this crisis. It signaled her gross incompetence, for which Bula should have been feeling guilty all the time. But Bula did no such thing. Bula was completely different. Bula seemed to have forgotten that she was a daughter-in-law. She wanted to live like the eldest unmarried daughter. But who could tolerate such a thing? So everyone said behind her back, This woman won't remain here much longer. They said, who knows what ruin she'll bring upon the family? And Usha sighed, Choto Bodhi has usurped my place entirely. But when Bula left, vacating a great deal more space, Usha sighed even louder. 
everybody in the world can do as they please, she said. But what pleasure had it offered? Why had Bulal felt the need for the satisfaction that comes from sending the household up in flames, from breaking its ribs? Even I felt that such pleasure was not a part of Bula's nature. In the olden days, no one made a fuss if the daughter or the daughter-in-law ran away. She died of cholera at night. We cremated her the same night. She was bitten by a snake after midnight. The corpse was cast off on a raft before dawn. People floated misinformation to save themselves from social censure. Behind the scenes, of course, the conspirators joined hands. Celebrate, but make no noise. There was no social aggression now. No fear of being ostracized. Lies were not necessary either. If a daughter or a daughter-in-law went missing, it was all right to create an uproar. All right to advertise in the papers. All right to plead. Come back. Rajan Babu didn't advertise in the papers, of course, but he conveyed his anger and indignation to everyone in the neighbourhood. At home, he delivered his verdict as loudly as possible. If anyone so much as mentions the name of that Haramjadi, I will bury them alive, he added. I don't want to see a single sign of her in this house. Burn everything to ashes. Bula possessed four books, which Sushila Bala tore into shreds and dumped into the basket where material to light the oven was kept. Hauling Bula's wedding photograph down from the wall, she stamped on it until the glass broke and then told her eldest granddaughter, cut Sukhen's picture out of this and burn the rest. Bula's elder sister-in-law asked, her expression softening. Was her jewellery with you, ma, or with her? What do you mean with me? Sushila Bala said angrily. When did the shameless hussy ever give it to me? Then she has taken them, declared Bula's sister-in-law, her expression still soft. Was it because the neighbor's attitude towards Bula might also soften if they learnt that she had taken nothing except the clothes she was wearing? I looked at her in surprise, wondering if she had forgotten. Can anyone forget something like this? Bula did not possess much jewellery. Her mother's brothers had financed her wedding. Still, they had been reasonably generous. But Bula had sold all those ornaments one by one to her sister-in-law's family jeweller. And it was the sister-in-law who had arranged the sale. Somehow, I always managed to find out everything. I knew that Bula's sister-in-law had made subdued protests at first. And I also knew that Bula had presented an unusual argument to overcome her objections. Apparently, Bula did not care for her jewellery. And since she didn't, what was the point of keeping it? It would do nothing but rot in its case. I was astonished to think that Borobodi had forgotten such a momentous decision. I wonder why I couldn't remind her of it at once. Usha was my age. 
she would address Bula as Choto Bodhi, but not I. I used to call her by her name. How can you work so hard? I used to ask her. Hard up people can do nothing but work hard. Bula would reply smiling. What else will they live with besides a hard work? Should I write a letter to Sukhenda, Bula? Don't make people laugh now. But what sort of dharma is it to shrug off the responsibility of looking after your wife and family and aged parents and become a monk instead? When did I say it's dharma? Shouldn't he be made to wake up? Bula would laugh. <laughs> Will hurling a single letter wake up someone who only wants to sleep? I no longer liked to go there after Bula had left. But I had to visit them even more often. As the unpaid rent mounted, Mashima sent me loving invitations to listen to her tearful accusations and litanies of neglect. Like a block of wood, I had to hear how all her clothes were torn, how she couldn't afford new ones, how Meshomoshai's medicines couldn't be bought anymore, how there was no option but to stop sending Borobodhi's three children to school, how Usha was inching towards death simply because of a lack of nutrition. No, Sushila Bala wasn't making any of it up. Ever since they had run out of the money from Rajan Babu's provident fund, I could see their poverty turning increasingly hideous. These complaints were not imaginary, but the last one was. I don't know what venomous snake I let into the family. All of us have been bitten. In other words, Bula was responsible for all of this. I felt a terrible rage. But what could I say? There was no opportunity to speak up for Bula. Leave alone, speak up for her. Was it even possible to speak of her? I didn't dare tell even Usha that Bula had secretly met me in my office, that Bula had run away from home to join the movies. But such stories couldn't be suppressed. A fire never goes out until it has announced its presence. The flames reached Rajan Babu's family in the form of news brought by Borobodhi's eldest daughter. Bula had joined the movies. She had seen Bula's photograph in a cinema magazine. Newcomer Bula Banerjee sparkling with laughter, brimming with emotion. Bula's life as an actress had begun with a story written by author Bijoy Bose. Bijoy Bose? That is to say, Biju next door. In other words, a puzzle had now been solved. An unfinished arithmetic problem resolved, which had sharpened like a question mark ever since Bula's departure. Had Biju also disappeared along with Bula? There could have been a sigh of relief over 2 plus 2 turning out to be 4. But this had not happened. Biju was still ensconced at home, just as before, unmoving. But what could they do in that case? They couldn't go to Biju's house and abuse his parents, nor could they tell everyone in the neighbourhood. All they could do was stop everyone from visiting them. Biju 
was a writer. His house was strewn with magazines, which was why both of Borobodhi's daughters spent all their time there, while the bedridden Usha treated his house as her library. I'll break your legs if you visit that scoundrel's home again, Rajan Babu had warned his granddaughters. This was not to their liking. But then, had anyone succeeded in passing a law anywhere in the world to seal the openings for playing hide-and-seek? This was the route that the fire-breathing news took into the family. In their excitement, the girls forgot that they would have to answer the question, How did you find out? Go get the magazine, said Borobodhi. Her daughters had got it already. Now they took it from beneath their bed to show her. The eldest daughter-in-law took a look, as did her other children, as did Usha. Everyone wanted to see the photograph and it couldn't be kept away from the karta and his ginni. What's that you said, Boma? Sushila Bala exploded like a bomb. You people can still discuss that evil fallen woman, she said. Let her go to hell. How dare you bring her photograph into the house, she said. Throw it away. Kick it into the rubbish outside. How did you find out? Answer me. Rajan Babu flailed his limbs like a lunatic. Not that they had a chance to answer. Rajan Babu kept screaming, I'll chop you all of you to bits. Let there be a river of blood. I'll hang, but I'll murder all of you. Is there nothing else to talk about? No mangy dogs in the world? No rotting vermin? No worms or insects in the drains? Can't you discuss them? After this, the hide-and-seek did have to stop. They did have to stop discussing Bulla. But the walls outside were plastered with her face. A newcomer, yes, but of such striking appearance. I'll have to leave the country, said Rajan Babu. I'll have to hang myself, said Sushila Bala. If only Baba's desire to leave the country was more violent, Usha said to herself in her bed. If her father left, surely her mother wouldn't leave him and would Usha's parents abandon her? But what if Sushila Bala's will was stronger than Rajan Babu's? Usha told me with a sigh after a lot of thought, you know what I think, Ranu? At least there would be some variety in my life. It would mean some change at home at the very least. Bula leaving meant such a big change, I said. Shh! Don't even mention her name, said Usha. Your throat will be slit. But Bula was beyond their reach. Perhaps she had no fear of having her throat slit. So she sent an actual letter which she had signed herself. Bula wanted to visit them once to meet everyone. What? Visit us? Meet us? Written for permission? How can a woman be so bold? What a nerve! Rajan Babu said so. Sushila Bala said so. The eldest daughter-in-law said so. Everyone was stunned by her brashness. The letter was torn into as many tiny bits as possible and burnt. Bula came to my office 
once again in a large car the director's car sitting across the table from me she toyed with a pin for some time her eyes lowered before asking how are things over there what does it have to do with you bula i asked in disappointment bula's eyes brimmed with tears bula who was always cheerful they don't even mention you bula they tore up your letter i told her raising her eyes to look at me she said what else could they do i brought shame upon them she sat for a while lowered her eyes and raised them again i realized they can't bear to set eyes on me will you do something for me ranu will you take something for them anything you send will end up in the dustbin bula or in the flames i told her sign bula stood up then what was all this for ranu why did i without finishing she looked away and then left but still bula didn't accept defeat still she didn't stop trying when sushila bala said she's dangerous a schemer she wasn't wrong even i was astounded at bula's audacity i saw it for myself when the peon came and said i am looking for sushila bala devi it was i who showed him the way a peon asking for sushila bala yes there was some money sent by insured registered post she had to sign for it bula had sent money bula had sent sushila bala money incredible how could bula have been so reckless so foolhardy i was terrified waiting with goose pimples on my skin for a cataclysmic thunderstorm to ensue what was going to happen now i was worried for the peon the poor fellow had better not be beaten up everyone had gathered but there was no storm no thunder no lightning all of nature seemed to have turned sullen there was a silence for a minute then sushila bala was heard asking grimly who did you say had sent the money i told you already bula banerji please sign this quickly uh, h- h- how much 2000 2000 i felt as though the words were hanging in the air waiting to be echoed by everyone present no need send it back passing his verdict hoarsely rajen babu went into his room his pronouncement sounded unconvincing and his departure listless what should i do ranu asked sushila bala what can i say i said indistinctly what could i tell her really the only saving grace was that i wouldn't have to see bula's expression when the money was given back to her i didn't respond i couldn't borobodi seemed to reply on my behalf she'll be very hurt if we send it back 
she sent it with so much hope after all that's what i was thinking but your father in law is so angry that sign quickly please said the peon impatiently or else write down that you don't want the money really what's the hurry can't a person have a moment to think where do i have to sign all the rage of nature had been neutralized the imminent storm was quiet now without any force there was just a solitary flash of lightning in the cloudless sky now you know boroboma that i don't lie have you seen how bold your sister in law is i was relieved to see the peon escape unscathed but it took a long time for my goose pimples to settle down